Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today I'm joined by DJ Zulo of Knicks Film School to predict the Knicks rotation for the rest of the season and tell you why Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart will ultimately make or break the Knicks season. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on, Knicks, and this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day if you want to become an everydayer. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and that notifications bell to ensure you never miss an episode on the YouTube side of things. And then on the podcast side, be sure to hit that auto download function. And then if you want to take things to the next level, you can subscribe to our subtext where we will text you every single day about the New York Knicks, the latest rumors, the latest theories, all that and more. Uh, but who's talking to me, Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I'm going to guess that uh, probably shouldn't need an introduction, but if you're new here, it's DJ Zulo over from Knicks Film School, uh, one of the smartest guys covering this team. And we get into a whole bunch of stuff in this first part of two right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, I am joined by my buddy DJ Zulo of Knicks Film School fame. You can check him out on Twitter at DJ Ace, NBA, A-C-E, Ace. DJ, buddy, uh, good time to talk, couple days off. Um, We're going to get into uh, the Knicks rotation, what we think it should look like, what we think Mm. it will look like, some of the biggest questions around it. Um, But before we do that, I figured we could start with a vibe check, four-game losing streak, understandable given that uh, 60% of the rotation's injured, heading into the All-Star break. How, how are you feeling with like a few days to kind of settle down, reflect, mm. spend some family time? Yeah, so I, I think the vibe checks is like recovery, recuperating, trying to get your sea legs back under you a little bit, me personally, and also like more importantly, the team itself. I've yeah. You alluded to like all the injuries and Limping to the uh, the All Star break, um, it probably couldn't have come at a better time to give this team a, a sort of a you know, a respite here. Try to get some guys a little healthier. Uh, there's a lot of question marks, um, a lot of things I've been stewing over, ruminating over over the past few days in terms of like what this team is going to look like. I think if you go back to like the Denver game and then obviously the Miami game, but up until Randall got hurt, like I had I am not one to make proclamations like this, but I thought this team had a championship ceiling just seeing how the Ananobi uh, trade really sort of like brought them together. Uh, but there's a lot of questions still, you know, we don't know how these guys are going to come back in terms of their health, uh, Ananobi and Randall specifically, and then Robinson as well. So I think right now there's just a lot of question marks. I'm looking forward to obviously Hartenstein should be back soon. Um, DiVincenzo, this thing looks pretty minor in terms of the hamstring. And then just seeing how this team is really going to look with the Burks and the, and the Boyan um, trades. I, I think there's a lot of upside still remaining here, but more question marks than there was obviously a few weeks ago. Yeah, I... I've been wanting to do some version of this podcast since the trade deadline day. And we, we just haven't uh, been able to find like a moment to just kind of be like, all right, like, let's, let's look ahead. Let's look beyond mm-hmm. these games. Like what is like, this is all fun and good. Like we're, we're losing the rockets, like BS call, like, like ultimately at the end of the day, like, I mean, I guess it could because of like seating and matchups, but like probably not going to change what this team ultimately is. What is going to change what this team ultimately is, is what the rotation looks like when everyone's healthy. Mm -hmm. So assuming, um, I mean, 
uh, pray to pray to walk Clyde Frazier, pray to Patrick Ewing, pray to Willis Reed, that this mm. team is fully healthy at, at some point, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, I put together, and if you're watching on YouTube, you'll, you'll see it on the screen right now. What I, um, well, that's the playoff one. Um, what I want the regular season rotation to look like and uh, what I actually think it will look like. So we can start off with, with my idealized version here. Uh, Jalen Brunson playing 36 minutes a game at the point. Alec Burks playing 12 minutes a game. Dante DiVincenzo uh, playing 30 minutes at the two. Josh Hart playing 18 minutes at the two. OG Adenobi, 32 minutes at the three. Bojan, 16 minutes at the three. Julius Randle, 34 minutes at the four. Uh, Bojan, eight at the four. Josh Hart, six at the four. I would, um, for the two through four, kind of ignore the positional minutia. It's it's just yep. kind of more so about um, ensuring that Josh Hart and Bojan are on the floor for about 20 minutes a game each, maybe a little bit longer in my idealized version. And then I had Isaiah Hardenstein 28 minutes, Mitchell Robinson at 20. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through the entire realistic one, but the, the key differences are that Josh Hart is playing uh 28 minutes instead of the uh, 18 minutes that I have him at. Um, and uh Bojan Bogdanovich is playing 20 minutes instead of playing 24 minutes, and and that is that is pretty much the only difference. And that I, I think kind of um DJ, I'll, I'll I'll let you get into what your main rotation looked like. But to me, this all sort of centers around the wing position. And, and in particular, I think like how the Knicks are closing games between Dante DiVincenzo and Josh Hart. Yeah, I think personally, DiVincenzo has gotten to the point where he's it's in my mind, one of the things that you're going to look back possibly in terms of like this, the Randall and the Anadobi injuries is that there is a leap here that sort of happened right before our eyes with DiVincenzo that seems sustainable in, in the sense that the shots that he's taking and the the plays that they're running for him it's different than they were earlier in the season a lot more high pick and roll they're allowing him to sort of explore areas where he didn't really have that chance in early stops of his career where he was more of a you know coming off the bench really didn't have a, a major role so he's really shown i think the Knicks that he could take on a a bigger role and proven to the Knicks uh, time and time again, that his spacing and his shooting ability with Brunson is—I mean, I, I just think it's the most one of the most critical things to have on the roster. So I think, with that being said, I think the Knicks do have some point of attack deficiencies now with Quentin Grimes out of the lineup. So you are going to have the issue with, you know, Fan and Obi's there. Obviously, you're you're clean in that way, but you're going to have you're going to need Hart to play enough to where. You're going to feel comfortable at the point of attack. And I know he's not going to play 40 minutes. If he is going to be out of a game or foul trouble, you're going to need Hart's uh, defense guarding the ball more than I think in the, over the last uh, year and change that he's been here with uh, with no Quentin Grimes. So that's a big key to this thing, despite the fact that there are some offensive limitations there. So I think in terms of closing, I personally, if Ananobi is healthy, I think DiVincenzo has earned that role. I think he's he, he's just a, a monumental spacer from the, the depth he can get. And I think he's shown a little bit now where you can put the ball in his hands and let him make plays getting downhill. I don't love his passing at it when they put him in these pick-and-roll situations and he's able to get um, – when they're playing aggressive, he can hit a pocket pass. But once he drives, he's driving to score. So that's a limitation there that he might not be able to sort of uh, rectify the season. Maybe that's growth for him in the offseason. But – there is enough offensively uh, there to where he's not just a spot up shooter. Uh, he's there's more to his game, I think, at, at this point. And but the spot up shooting is where he's going to uh, really help the team. And I think that personally is where you need him. Um, Hart will close games. I mean, there's going to be uh, lineup constructions where 
uh, Tibbs is going to lean on him. I, I don't agree with that necessarily. I think DiVincenzo is sort of like he's made that spot to where it should be his, uh, assuming Ananobi's healthy. Um, to me at this point, it's it's all about prepping for the playoffs. I mean, to, to your point, if you think this team has a championship ceiling, you are using, I mean, I, ideally you're, you're avoiding the Boston Celtics side of the bracket. You're getting that second or that third seed. Um, but, but barring that, like the rest of the regular season is experimentation for the playoffs and figuring out what lineups are going to work best in the playoffs. And, and, and if someone like Bojan Bogdanovic is a good enough defender to be on the floor in those moments. And that, that's where Hart is, is ultimately like, I think like his, his role and like just how far Tom Thibodeau's like faith and loyalty to him extends is maybe the thing like beyond a- after health and like, like taking health as a given, which, which like maybe we can, maybe we can. Um, to me, that's the thing that will define this team more than anything else, because we saw last year where Hart was just completely transformational for them. They became like basically the best team in basketball anytime he was on, on the floor the second half of the year. And that was due in no small part to the fact that he was shooting 55% from three for that stretch. Right. Come playoffs, um, he shoots 31% from three. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, not so great for your team to have Josh Hart on the floor any anymore, particularly um, against the Miami Heat. Uh, overall for the playoffs, he had a minus nine net rating, but I, I know it was, it was far worse than that. Um, in that second round series against the Heat. And you had a situation where Quentin Grimes was shooting about negative 6% from three, and yet they were dramatically better when he was on the court because he gave them that modicum of floor spacing and a shooter that at least nominally Mm -hmm. had to be guarded. And this year, we kind of have a repeat of that, except Hart is not shooting well from three, and he's he's shooting um, pretty much identically to what he shot in the playoffs. And yet um, on the year, he's one of the Knicks' best in terms of net rating. Um, Lineups with him, Brunson, Devo, Randall, and one of the two centers have played close to 300 possessions this year and are just under plus 13 per 100 possessions. Him and OG Ananobi is far and away the Knicks' best two-man combo this year, and they have like like a defensive rating below 85. So there, there's been data to suggest Josh Hart, Ananobi, Brunson, Randall work incredibly well. Do you buy that that translates to postseason basketball if Hart doesn't start shooting significantly better than he currently is? All right, guys, we'll be back with DJ in just a sec to continue telling you how Josh Hart could make or break this next season. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks. So if you don't know, you're about to. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll. And so on so many of these other sites, you're competing against people who went to MIT, went to Harvard, live in their mom's basement. And I just, I hate to tell you, you're not going to beat those people. They're putting in thousands of entries. It's just, it's just not going to happen for you. Um, but again, on prize picks, you don't have to worry about that. And now it's demon time on prize picks. You can win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into a thousand dollars. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins give you different payouts. You can now win up to a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use our code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's just that easy. Um, I, I, I it would be hard to replicate that, that net rating. I mean, that is, you're talking about a, a 
you know, oh, well, let, me, let, let, let me rephrase it. Not, not like plus 40, but like, do you, do you think that's a good lineup to close basketball games? I think it's a good lineup. Yeah. And I think, I think this year, if you factor in the, the, the Brunson shooting uh, has improved this year, I think Randall as a playmaker in terms of setting up three point shooters better this year. Uh, so I think there are reasons to, to believe that there is enough shooting around Hart and Ananobi, who was, you know, an interesting spacer in the sense that I think that in the corners, obviously he's a remarkable shooter, but outside, you know, above the break, you know, he's very similar to RJ in the sense where he'll take them and he'll, he'll, he'll shoot, but he's more of like a low thirties three point mm-hmm. shooter from anywhere beyond the corners. And I think that sort of limits the the spacing there where he really benefits you is where is, I think, you know, comparing him to RJ in that role, you can't really play off him too much because of his cutting ability and the fact that he can stampede a catch and really get downhill and make a play quickly versus um, maybe a slower developing action where if RJ caught that ball. So I think he provides he provides that. So I think the team is set up maybe to to, you know, sort of like withstand some of the shooting concerns if you're going to have hard playing, uh, you know, the numbers in terms of like his impact on winning. And that is something that, you know, Thibodeau and I know he uses this uh, to usually only, only his benefit. And he picks and chooses some of these net ratings and, you know, impact on winning. But I think for Hart, there is enough data to suggest that there is something bigger than just the shooting percentages going uh, going on here. Um, but to your point, I think in the playoffs, you know, there there is a tightening up on things. And I think for him, there is a, a crisis of confidence that he keeps talking about the fact that he is he's not making shots. He's very aware of it. And it's almost like he's he's so aware of it. You you know that that is that has to sort of like seep in um, on the court and in the playoffs. I think that only would be magnified. So that to me is like is a worry. Like if he goes into the season still trying to find himself as a shooter, there's going to be much more of those like oppor- uh, situations where he's going to catch the ball and it's not going to go up right away. And it's he's going to dribble into either a pass and a late second shot by someone else, or he's going to throw up one of those like last second heaves from twenty feet away, fading fading away. You know, a very low percentage shot. So I think you know the hope is he sort of figures it out a little bit and at least becomes above average from the corners. But even if he doesn't, I think the team just plays well with him on the court. He has a certain energy now that you know when you lose quickly, you you, you bring Hart off the bench. He does have that ability to change things. That Miami game where Randall got hurt. I mean, Hart came in that game. The Knicks were really kind of in a slog and not really playing well. And he just took the game over with his energy and just turned turned that game around. That is the sort of like if you talk about you know what a bench is supposed to do and like it's it's ultimate like you know when it's like playing its best in terms of the the Knicks, they change the energy of the game. And without quickly, they really don't have that guy that typically has you know taken that role. But Hart can do that as well. That's something that that is. Um, but your your point is like closing the games, and then I think you have to like really pick and choose. He's gonna close. You know, because Tips trusts him so much. You know, I know he's going to close a fair amount, and you know, there's going to be games where you're, he's teams are not going to play play him, and it's gonna it's gonna make things uh, tougher on Brunson and Randall and and the you know the stars on his team. But you know, you hope that he can do enough defensively and in transition to sort of mitigate that. Yeah, I think I think the frustrating part is that there's like a decent shooter in there, and and like he's probably still a below average one, but he's not as bad as what he's been. Like I, I look at that Dallas game where the Knicks just had nothing and, and they had that, that belated comeback. And there was like that two possession stretch where he was kind of going back and forth with Luca. And I think he hit back to back threes. And like, there was just a little bit of like an FU energy and you, you could tell mm-hmm. 
that pressure that is there on him. It was just so obvious in last year's playoffs that he was thinking about every shot. It's like, all right, I can't shoot here. I'm pretty sure I'm going to miss this. Like I'm going to yeah. pump, pump, take two dribbles, pass, throw a live grenade to Jalen with two seconds on the shot clock. And he's probably double teamed. Um, and, and then that game, it was like, all right, like I'm like, it's me and Dante. Like we're, we're the two best guys in the court. We're down by 12. Mm-hmm. No one expects us to win this game. And he's like hitting these tough threes. And, and it's not to say like, all right, he can do that on any given night. But like, I think like, I, I wish you could uh, like inject like, 10% of like J.R. Smith's brain into him sometimes mm-hmm. and just like a little, a little bit of effort. Um, yeah. And, well, there's, I always, yeah. I, I didn't even, sorry. I, I mean, no, I, go I, ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to make, yeah. I, I like, I always refer to this and you know, mm-hmm. RJ was like the first guy to really like sort of like, you know, hammer this point home. But when you take a, sh- yeah. a guy that had to work and grind and, and just, you know, wasn't a natural shooter, but like did it on effort and just, mm-hmm. you know, lived in the gym and was able to get to a point where teams at least sort of like, you know, guarded him and, and, and RJ his second year shot 40%. And then you saw like fluctuations and confidence loss and heart, same thing. And you're seeing with Randall a little bit, you know, the, the, you know, the peaks and the valleys in terms of the shooting percentage. And it just speaks to the idea of like, if you are a non-shooter, you know, kind of your whole basketball life and you figure out a way in the NBA to, to make yourself a quality shooter, there's mm-hmm. always going to be that little bit of a, of, of a doubt. If it's not a natural skill that you have, that confidence can can waver, and it's always something. Um, I think Scotty Barnes and in, in Toronto, like I've talked to the KFS guys about this all the time. Like, how real is the shooting ability that he's he displayed early in the year? Where he was forty percent, and you're seeing like some you know, deterioration in that in that um, that shooting percentage as the season kind of rolls along. And you have to like strain together multiple seasons of really good shooting to really feel like you are that guy now. And RJ um, Randall. Um, hard, you know, they, they have these like peaks and valleys and they have like these stops and starts uh, throughout their career. You look at their shooting percentage numbers and they, they go up and down. And I think that that lends itself to a player that's going to have a confidence issue. So yeah, I would love a little bit of that JR confidence, but JR was like hitting like, I'm sure 23s in high school and just like, that's what he does. And that's what he did in the NBA. And it's easy for him to have that confidence, probably a little bit harder than, um, I think, uh, you know, me and you and all the, you know, fans and, you know, analysts of this team think in terms of like, just, just shoot the ball, Josh. Right. That's like, it's so, it's so like counterproductive when you're not doing that, but I think it's, it's a little bit harder when you're not, that's not who you are as a basketball player. That's not why he is in the NBA. His shooting is something that keeps him functional as an offensive player, but that's not why he's here. There's other things that he, he brings to the table. That's, that's a little bit different, but the shooting is going to come and go. You just hope that he can, you know, at least from the corners, you know, make, 38 40% because that's what like a good corner three point shooter is going to is going to shoot you just uh, you, if he's there then that's probably the best you can you can hope for reasonably yeah and, and to me the, the it, it's a great point and and the single biggest thing is just that the shots go up like even even mm-hmm. more so than the percentage to me yep. and and i i think it's going to shape the Knicks one way or another. Like if, if he's willing to take those, like like there are definitely matchups, there are definitely games where he should be closing. If not, like I'm willing to take the defensive hit with Dante DiVincenzo and, and count on OG mm-hmm. Ananobi doing what you sort of brought him in to do. And that's that's to be like a, a Superman on that end of the floor and like cover up for mistakes and like clog mm-hmm. holes. And like, he's not going to be able to do it every time. And, and Hart is, 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 set, is clearly like such an asset to that. Um, in terms of just having another guy in the perimeter, it's it's where like it would have been nice to still have Quinn Grimes on this team as someone who yep. like kind of gives you the best of well, not the best of both worlds, but like a good a good portion of both worlds, I guess would be the best way to to phrase it. Um, and, and then with Dante, like we can we can close out on him, but like um, 
I'm curious just how much of his like on the ball success like translates to the postseason because obviously so so much of it has come with like all these injuries and like the fact mm-hmm. that he's gotten like a high volume of reps and and I think back to to Quentin Grimes a year ago like the way he closed the regular season where like what was it over the last 15 games like per 36 something like 21 five and five like yeah. high volume like 45 percent three-point shooting and then mm-hmm. it all it all dissipated in the playoffs when all of a sudden instead of getting to feel the ball getting that rhythm consistently yeah. like that all went away and you have to be a little bit more confident with Dante because he's an older player he's, he's a more mature player like even in, in in this year's configuration of the team where, where Grimes was totally lost in the starting lineup like Dante has staked out a clear-cut role in his head games where he's like the number two option, even when Randall and Ananobi are on the floor, um, but also someone who's bereft of like a great history of postseason success and and, and certainly struggled yep. with his shot last year with Golden State. Like, what do you what do you expect from him? And, and maybe the even more important version of this question is like, how much faith does Tom Thibodeau like have in like a night where he's not shooting well? Does he just say like, all right, this is one of my guys, I'm sticking with him? Or is it like, I, I, and I think we're probably both in agreement with like closer or something like with Emmanuel quickly, where it's like, all right, just it's contingent on how you're playing on any given night. All right, guys, we're going to be back one final time in part one of this episode with DJ uh, to continue talking about Dante DiVincenzo and how his leap uh, potentially transformed the ceiling of this next team. But before we do that, uh, we want to tell you about our buddies over at BetterHelp. This segment is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing. And that is the Knicks injury situation. Man, am I paranoid that we are just not going to get the opportunity to see this team at full strength because it's look I've I've been a Knicks fan for 20 years and it's mostly been bad stuff I'm a little traumatized there's a little Knicks PTSD going on but uh, hopefully everything comes together because I think this team has a chance to be great therapy can be different for everyone most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, E-T-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Yeah, I think, you know, Brooks probably gives him a little bit of a wiggle room in terms of like mm-hmm. if Dante is really performing uh, underwhelmingly in a, in a game. Uh, I don't expect, despite, as you mentioned, some, you know, he doesn't have great postseason um, experience, I think for him, at least he's might've gotten to the point where, you know, if there's going to be like the second unit guy where it's been RJ, it's been Ananobi when he's playing, like sort of like lead the second unit to me, like, I think Dante has shown enough to where skill set wise, you can absolutely get away with like a four minute stretch with him, just spamming pick and rolls and seeing what that, what that takes you. I think there's still a lot of time you know, there's, you know, how many games are left in the second half 20 high twenties or whatever the the number is, but enough games to where you can maybe see if this is uh, how real is this? Like the, the pick and roll stuff, because it's been, you know, it's not just the, you know, getting to the rim, like he's pulling up now and and making threes. And this is the guy that really was more of a, you know, a a guy off the catch that was going to really, you know, light you up. And that was, what got him into the starting lineup and that that's what kept him in the starting lineup. But it's been, you know, when Randall got out since Randall's been out, he's averaging 26 a game with like Mm -hmm. really good efficiency. So this isn't like, he's just, there's been some bad three point shooting games when he's had to take 15 shots from three. Um, However, like the, 
the overall package here seems like a guy that you can really rely on in, in these stretches of games down the stretch here, and maybe even the playoffs where like, if you're, if you don't have, and you're probably going to stagger Brunson and Randall, but I think you can, you can absolutely like lean on him and try to take some of that burden off Brunson as your, your main pick and roll uh, threat, your main playmaker on the perimeter and try to, you know, at least, you know, maybe take five, 6% off that, that usage in the playoffs where if it's going to be like, 31, 32, maybe it's in the high twenties for Brunson. He can sort of sustain a longer postseason run and, and not be worn out because the biggest worry I have with like the Randall injury is just like, what are you, we asking a Brunson here in terms of like, you know, he's kept the Knicks afloat, but like, what is the cost here? There's going to be mm-hmm. some, and we just hope that Randall gets back to the point where it's not going to be something that's going to really hurt him going, going forward in terms of like what Brunson has had to deal with. I mean, we're talking about 17 drives per game for Brunson now up to 24 drives per game. That's a 40% increase. You can't have that sort of change in your, you know, your output, your physical output on a day-to-day game to game basis and not have that impact you eventually. So that's something that the Knicks, even when healthy, I think would do, do well, at least into the postseason of trying to try to take away some of the, the burden off uh, Brunson. And if he gets to the playoffs, man, I think that uh, DiVincenzo is, is good enough now where he, he is a legitimate like third option, fourth option, you know, at, at worst on a good offense in the playoffs. And that to me, if you've learned that, you know, after the, you know, the Randall injury and the, and an OB injury, that is an absolute blessing in disguise. If I ever heard one, because that, that is really gonna, that, that this team did not have that last year. I know RJ played well and had some really, uh, you know, nice games, but this is a different sort of like offensive threat, even with RJ having a really good postseason. This is just different. He's a, he is, he is getting up 13 threes a game since Randall's been out shooting high percentage and getting to the rim and doing enough defensively where he is still a, you know, probably a slight positive on that end. So uh, he's been phenomenal. I've been so impressed with like what he's been able to, how he's elevated. He's 26. So maybe this leap is like right in line with like development and like the fact that he's now entering his prime. Maybe this is just the, what, you know, Knicks have really found something here. And um, I'm really excited to see like what, what he can still offer to this team in terms of his versatility when Randall's back, when Brunson is back. And um, I think this really just elevates the ceiling of the team. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I've, I've been calling it a, a silver lining and, and I feel like it's almost gone um, underappreciated by, by some fans. Like it's, it's kind of extraordinary what we're seeing. And and I don't think there was any reasonable expectation. Like if he, if he had put up 18 points per game officially over the stretch, you would have said, wow, he's playing great. And to your point, it's been, yeah. it's been 26, like on high volume, three point shooting. Um, he's, he's been incredible. And I, I just think the confidence that he, he is, I mean, he, he's, just strikes me as someone like you go back to that national championship game at Villanova who's always yeah. like deeply, deeply, deeply believed in himself. And like you mentioned with Hart, he like, came off the bench in that game, right? Didn't he, weren't they yep. down? And he just like, I, he went crazy. I think so. Um, and just, I, correctly. I think yeah, he did come off at, at 31, I think. Um, yeah, it was but, just an incredible performance. I not, I, that wasn't a big college fan, but just didn't know who he was until that game. And I was like, this kid is really going to do this on the national stage. Um, yeah, unbelievable. That was an unbelievable performance. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's almost the inverse of hard in, in terms of someone like mm. who like like he was like Delaware Michael Jordan, right? Like there is yeah. like there isn't gonna be a crisis of confidence. And I'm just to me, the only question is like, is is the role and the opportunity proportionate to what he's capable of doing now? And that that'll be that'll be sort of interesting. All righty, guys, that is it for this episode. 
Alrighty, guys, that is it for this episode with DJ Zulo. But if you're enjoying it, fear not. Uh, we will be back with him tomorrow to uh, continuing answering some of the biggest questions around the next rotation, including uh, whether Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hartenstein will ultimately be the team's starting center, uh, just how high this team's ceiling is, Julius Randle's uh, playoff success, and how this could be the right group around him, um, certain matchups. If Tom Thibodeau has enough to get it done, it's a really fun, wide-ranging conversation. We'll get it, into it all tomorrow with DJ. Um, but until then, I uh, hope you have a great night, a great day. It's, it's morning, a great day. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.